Welcome to Mission Point. We're so glad that you've joined us in person today and online. We have just a few short announcements to share with you before our service begins. On October 28th, there will be a paintball tournament in Moncton from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. for all who are interested. If you'd like to have more information on it, please see Sheldon Anthony. Hello, Mission Point. We are so excited to be hosting our multicultural meal on October 29th, Sunday at 6 p.m. Please come and join us. There will be some Jamaican, Nigerian, Canadian, Filipino food that you'll be able to get to try. So come and uh, let's get be excited and it's going to be a great time of fellowship and having fun with everyone. See you there. Our ladies Bible study is this Wednesday at 10 a.m. We are doing our study of the book of John, getting to know Jesus better. Are you planning for your baby dedication? Our next baby dedication service will be on November 5th, 11 a.m. And see Miranda Mills for more information. Our next date would be on March 2024. One of the ways that we worship is through giving. If you would like to worship in this way, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can visit our website and click on the Give tab. You can use e-transfer to donation at missionpoint.ca. And we have several giving boxes located around the building. If you need any assistance, one of our ushers would be glad to help. We've updated our service schedule, and we just want to make sure everyone is in the know. We start Sunday morning at 10 o'clock with Bible teaching class for everyone. Uh, ages 18 months to 18 years will be in our lower level while everyone else will join in the sanctuary. After a small break at 1045, we go into our Sunday morning worship where everyone is going to be part of that service here in the sanctuary. We also have on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Wednesday worship, the same time, MP Kids, MP Youth have their services in the lower level. And then on Friday at 7 p.m., we have our Friday night prayer. We just want to make sure everyone is welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Aren't you thankful, amen, that you can know him? Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, with me to Psalm chapter 16 while you're standing. Read one verse. I want to speak to you this morning about it's, it's all about me. It's all about me. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forever." It's all about me. God, I thank you for your word this morning. Captivate our hearts right now, God, to receive what you have for us, I pray. And I ask it in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12, they tell the story of David's deception, murder, and judgment. His affair with Bathsheba, the killing of Uriah, and the birth and death of their son. There are two chapters that are 
they're kind of sad in a way because they don't have a lot of good report. David is then confronted by Nathan the prophet in chapter 12, and he's given the story of a, of a rich man and a poor man that's in the city. The rich man, Nathan said, had many flocks and herds, and the poor man had only one little yo lamb. A traveler came through, and the rich man took the one little yo lamb, and he took it from the poor man, and he killed it for the traveler to make sure he had something to eat. And when Nathan told David this story, David was angry. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5, it said that, that uh, David said, Who did this would surely be put to death. And not only that, he would pay fourfold for what he had done. Nathan clearly states to David in verse 7, he says, David, thou art the man. You're the person that I'm talking about. And David realized that he had sinned before God. And in verse 13, he stated his need to repent and to bring restitution for his sin. Judgment happened to David and his son died even though he fasted all night and laid upon the earth. And it's from this event that took place in chapter 11 and 12 of Second Samuel that David writes Psalm 51. After Nathan the prophet has highlighted David's sin and has confronted him about it, it's in Psalm 51 that David prays for a clean heart. David's plea for a clean heart looks ahead actually to the new covenant and to us today. Paul quoted from the psalm to demonstrate God's new covenant and his faithfulness in the face of unbelief of people in 2023. Paul quoted in Romans chapter 3 and verse 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. There's so many things that could be focused on from Psalm 51. But I want to focus this morning on the attitude that David portrays in this psalm. I want to focus on his approach to God. I want to focus on his lack of excuses. I want to focus on where he puts the blame. I want to focus on David taking responsibility. Notice the wording of Psalm 51. As I read to you some words from verses that are mentioned in Psalm 51. In verse 1 it says, Have mercy upon me. Verse 2, it says, wash me thoroughly. Verse 7, it says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. Verse 8 says, make me to hear joy and gladness. Verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11 says, cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. 
Verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 14 says, deliver me from blood guiltiness. I want you to notice that it's all about me. Oh, when you say that statement and you make that declaration, it doesn't sound like it's a positive thing. But in David's psalm that he's writing, he's not thinking about it as selfishly. He's not thinking about it in the sense of, I want to get everything that I can get because uh, I'm the one who deserves it and I'm the one uh, who, who needs it and all that. No, no, David's approaching it with an attitude that is an example to us that we can benefit from this morning. It doesn't mean that the consequences of David's sin, sin did not influence his family. You can see that in the lives of Amnon and Absalom. You can read their stories, lives of immorality and power struggles that they have growing up and wanting to have it their way. But David got his attitude right. He didn't do what was right. In the first place. But he got his attitude right. And I want to share with you. Some of those points that I have just read to you. And how important they are this morning. Because it is about me. It's not about me for selfishness. It's about me taking responsibility for me. It's about me getting my spirit right. It's about me getting my attitude right. It's about me getting right with God. Amen. I can do all the blame game. Amen. For as long as you want to do it. But that won't fix me. I've got to take responsibility for me. I've got to fall on my knees. I've got to ask God for my forgiveness. I've got to say, God, I need you to change me. Yeah, so David says, have mercy, in verse 1, he says, have mercy upon me. The word is kanon, and it's to bend or stoop in kindness, to be inferior, to favor by petition, to grant graciously or to entreat, to, to have mercy showed, to have pity upon and what we see is we, re, we see that David realized that he was inferior. And he was asking a petition that would be entreated to, to the almighty God. That mercy would be given to him instead of what he deserved. Remember what he said to Nathan the prophet. The man who did such a thing should die. And he should pay fourfold for taking that Poor man's little yo. That's what David stated. And in the middle of him realizing how sinful he was, he cried out for mercy and realized that he was inferior to the God who made him. He was inferior to the Almighty. He didn't have a right to, to say anything else, but I need mercy upon me, O oh God. You have to realize David had the authority to have Nathan killed. David had the authority as king to do whatever he pleased. But he quickly realized there's only one thing 
that I need. And that's to get me right. I've got to get me fixed. I've got to get me in a place. And that's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and verse 24. He says, oh wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit Paul said you can get to a place where you realize that it's you that needs correction it's you that needs to be fixed I'm preaching to me this morning I need mercy upon me today it's all about me David said wash me thoroughly that word is kaba it means to trample to wash by stamping with the feet literally or figuratively It was a representation of the occupation of a fuller, one who cleans and shrinks and thickens and sometimes dyes newly cut wool or cloth. The fuller removed the oil and the gummy substances from material before it could be used. And they did that through washing. And they used different things because there was no such thing as tide in those days. And so they washed it, the material, repeatedly. By stomping on it and stamping on it through running water. And that material was then dried and bleached by the sun. And that fuller's process was an occupation. It was done outside the gate because of the smell that would take place during the time. And you can read about the fuller's field. And God is compared to a fuller's soap. And the garments of Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 9. At his transfiguration describes them as whiter than any fuller could make them. And how Jesus is the one that can take and trample out the things of our life that don't need to be there. And David said, I'm not going to try to cover anything up. He said, I want you to wash me thoroughly. What he said, I want you to trample and stomp on everything that's in my life that shouldn't be there. I want that out of my life. I want my life clean. David realized it was about me. He said, it's me that needs to be clean. It's me that needs to be washed. It's not the person next door or the person in the next pew or the person beside you. It's me that needs to be washed thoroughly. God, take my life and trample out the things that are not of you so many scriptures that point out and it's so easy to find everything wrong with everybody else but so difficult at times to look in the mirror ourselves and ask God to wash us thoroughly as an individual It appears like at times it's our lives is, well, it's just not that bad. I don't know about you, but I I ask God today, God, everything that's not of you, I want that out of my life. 
And I want you, God, hallelujah, to reign supreme in my life. What am I saying? I'm saying what David said, wash me thoroughly. It's all about me. Amen. Nothing else matters but my life being clean before him. Let that be an attitude of your heart and spirit this morning. David said, purge me with hyssop. That word is chata. Means to miss, to forfeit, to bear the blame. Hyssop was used in the Bible and has a deep, deep significance. The application of the blood that was put upon the doorpost in Egypt during the 10th plague in Exodus chapter 12, hyssop was used to sprinkle that blood. The cleansing of the leper in Luke, Leviticus chapter 14, hyssop was used in that cleansing. The offering. For purification of sin. In Numbers chapter 19. Hyssop was used. And at Calvary when Jesus said that he thirsted. They put a sponge of vinegar on a hyssop plant. And put it up to his mouth just before he said. It is finished. And each of the instances in the Old Testament. It was used as an instrument instrument to apply the blood. And at Calvary Jesus used uh, that that phrase, it is finished, to let everybody know that the power of the faith that is in the blood of Jesus Christ is able to cleanse us and purge us from everything that's not of Him. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. What he's simply saying that the blood of Jesus is what gives the authority to purge our lives and and David said, God, let the power of your blood purge me from my sin. That's what David says, purge me with hyssop. The faith that was in the power of the blood. David goes on to say, make me to hear joy and gladness. That word is shama means to hear intelligently, attentively, carefully. Simply means to be obedient. Make me to hear joy and gladness. What he's saying, David is saying, God, put me in a place where I can be obedient to you. Where I can listen intently to you. To listen carefully and certainly to what you're doing to me. God, help me to see, Lord, what you want me to see and help me to hear what you want me to hear. Let that be a prayer and an attitude of everybody sitting in this room or listening online this morning. God, make me to hear joy and gladness. Would you open up my ears that I would be obedient to the things that you desire. Not what the world is showing and not what people think is important and what not what would make you popular or fit in. But God, allow me to see and hear what you want me to hear and see this morning. It's all about me. David said, create in me a clean heart. The word is bara. means absolutely to create. Can I tell you, nothing in what David was saying was fix what I got. Put a band-aid on the solution. Use some duct tape or Gorilla Glue. That's not what he was saying. 
He said, I want it new. I want you to take out the heart that has caused me to do such an action and create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, don't just fix, don't just repair, but create in me a clean heart. Hallelujah. It's not just good enough for Sunday. It's not just good enough for another week or another month. God, create in me something new this morning that changes my attitude and changes my spirit. It's all about me. Absolutely create in me. Renew a right spirit. The word is kadash. It means to rebuild. It means to be within the nearest part to the center. Oh, this, this is a problem in 2023. So many individuals don't have Christ at the center. And David saying, it's about me. Renew in me a right spirit. And we see that phrase and we think, well, I, I just want to treat people right. That's not what he's saying. He says, I want you, God, to be at the center of my being. Every thought every action and every deed from here on out God I want you at the very center of my life what they're saying is it's not when God's convenient or just when it feels good no every day every part of my day David is saying it's about me God I need you in the center of my life He says, cast me not away. The word is shalak. Throw out or down or throw away. He says, I don't want you to cast me away from thy presence. And his presence here means to look directly into his face. He wants David's attitude and spirit is, God, I'm not sheepishly coming to you. I'm not just talking to you from a side. I want my life to look directly into you where honesty and transparency can be seen. I tell you about something. I don't know how Miranda how old Miranda was. But she was a young girl. And uh you know how it is when kids are talking to you and you're listening but you're not listening. You're listening, but they don't think you're listening as well. Well, Miranda had a way about her that if she didn't think you were listening, she took her little hands and put it on the sides of your face and brought your face right around to look directly into her eyes. She wanted to make sure that you were hearing exactly what she was saying. It's like David saying, God, I don't, I'm not, you know, trying to read the paper while I'm talking to you. No, David's saying, God, I want to look directly into your face. And I want to see the transparency of what needs to change in my life. That's what David is saying. 
Cast me not away from thy presence. I want to look directly into your face, God. Restore unto me, he says. That word is, is shabo, to turn back, to literally or figuratively retreat, to get back what you once had, retrieve, to return, to reverse. David says, restore unto me. I don't want to just be okay. I want to be where you want me to be. I want to be everything that you intended for me to be. I don't want to just be a product of just getting back to being comfortable. No. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Take me back to where it started. Take me back to how it began. Take it back to where my life was changed and the enthusiasm and the excitement that happened in my life at that moment. Uh, even though I didn't know everything that I know today, uh, take me back to that, that innocence uh, of that time where I my life was changed. And David said, restore. He's the king, remember. But he said, restore unto me the joy. Reverse it, God, to where I was. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. That word is nostal. To snatch away, whether it's good or bad. It means to defend or deliver, self, escape, without fail. To become innocent. So I just want you to hear what David is saying in this psalm. He said, to petition from an inferior position. To tread and trample out the impurities of my life. That my life would have power and faith in the blood. To listen and to be obedient to what you have to say. To create an absolutely new heart. And to rebuild from the center. And focus directly into your face. To retrieve what has been lost. And to have innocence restored. See the highlight music come. To David's realization that his issues were caused by himself and no one else. You can read, and I won't take the time to do it, but just go through the chapter and find all the other places where he says, mine or my. It's continually, in every verse. You can read how David, David took responsibility for himself there was an article in live science by Gianna Breyer and it was written it's about an article and a study that was done talking about putting blame on others blaming mistakes on others is socially contagious according to a new study just watching someone pawn their failures off on another can, can make you do the same to protect your self-image. The result can be detrimental to everyone involved. Whatever the blunder or messing up at work or burning dinner, pointing the finger at someone else or some other event might seem trivial. But organizations where they blame others and it becomes the norm that's where those members are likely to be less creative and perform poorly, research has shown. The blamer 
also takes a hit. When an individual is always pointing to external reasons for their mistakes, they won't learn from their mistakes. So it hinders their ability to learn and to become more effective. Scientists have known certain personality traits are part of the puzzle and why we blame with optimistic people being less likely than pessimistics to blame and narcissists more likely to ditch responsibilities for mistakes. And then there's what's known as the kick the dog effect. That's an actual effect. In the kick the dog effect is where someone high in hierarchy makes a mistake and blames the person below. And then that mistake, that person blames the person below and then they blame the person below and so on. And then there's no one else to blame. So the person goes home and kicks the dog. Called the kick the dog effect. Until now, researchers have looked at the spread of blame in social settings, social medias. To see if the act of finger pointing is catchy, not just the blame game involving some failure. And the results that have been detailed in an issue of the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, scientists have found out that the behaviors can spread. They can become negative actions. A couple by the name of Fast and Larissa Tedens of Stanford University took 100 participants Age, average age was 31. And they read a news clip about a failure of a governor. I won't name him. And with one group's excerpt, including a statement in which the governor blamed so, uh, special interest groups for his failure. And to the other participants, the, reading the statement in which the governor took full ownership of the failure. And later, participants wrote about their unrelated personal failures and had to explain what caused it. And participants who had worked in that study, the ones who had read about the blame game, were twice as likely to do it themselves. I don't know. You say, well, Pastor, that... That's useless information. Well, it's not in what's happening in our world today. And even to the point where it creeps into our church. If I've got a problem and I've got an issue, it's not your fault. I'm going to put my big band pants on. And I'm going to take responsibility. And I'm going to use the pattern that David used. It's all about me. I'm responsible. I need to fix me. Listen, you can't fix the person beside you. You can't, you can't fix the, someone else. That's the number one thing that they teach in counseling. You can't fix anybody. The only person you can fix is you. Well, all of a sudden, uh, that wonderful revelation has come to the world of counseling. David had it in Psalm 51. David realized it's not going to be Uriah's fault and Bathsheba's fault and Nathan's fault. It's my fault. And David said, 
I need my life changed. I need my heart created new. I need my life purged and my life washed. And I need my life cleansed. I need my life restored. David said in Psalm 16 and 11, the verse that I read to you, Show me the paths of life, because in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Listen, I can have fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore if I realize it's about me. If I spend time with Jesus to get me fixed. Why aren't some people living in joy? Because they're determined by other people. Why aren't some others living in joy? Because they're not happy with themselves. I know it's Sunday worship. Man, I didn't get to teach this morning. Brother Robertson did. It's all about me this morning. I've got to get me fixed. And when I get me fixed, it's amazing what God can do through me. No matter what you're involved in in this world, you're going to have challenges where the opportunity is going to be put there to find yourself blaming circumstances and situations and all kinds of other things. But God... Can I approach you this morning with I need you to change me, my imperfections, my impurities, my shortcomings, my faults, and my failures. God, I need to see growth that happens in me. I need my relationship with you to be right. I want my walk with you, God, to be fresh. I want my attitude to be like David's was a man after God's own heart so in this building this morning and everyone watching or listening online the title really doesn't mean it as bad as it sounds When the title says it's all about me, it's just about you and I taking responsibility for ourselves. That God, whatever you got to do in my life today, for my attitude, my spirit to be right, then God do that. Whatever parts of my life, God, that need to just fall off and dissipate to make me come closer to you, I want you to do that. God, whatever part of my heart, God, that you need to change. You need, God, Lord, to take out the stony part and replace it with a heart of flesh. And God, whatever part of my life it is, God, that you just need my, my, my everything about me, God, to be turned. That I look directly into your face. And, and God, your face is what I see. And, and that's the focus that I'm focusing on, God. And I've got... Everything lined up that, God, that whatever you need to do to me, deliver me from the blood guiltiness, God. Purge me, cleanse me, wash me, trample out everything, God, that's not of you. 
Oh, God. Listen, church, it doesn't matter how long you've served God. David was king for 40 years. 40 years he was king. But in the middle of that situation, of that authority that he had, he made a big error. He took someone's wife. He had her husband killed. And a child died. All because of failure. And he steps back and says, it's no one else's fault but my own. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that there's fullness of joy. And there's pleasures forevermore. For every person in this congregation, if we just take responsibility for ourselves And ask God to deal with us as an individual. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed this morning. No one looking around, no one going in or out. God, you placed into my spirit. For me to speak this word this morning. You knew exactly who was going to be here or who was watching or listening this morning online. And God, I'm praying that each person in their own way would let conviction happen in their life right now personally. God, that we would just push aside the tendency and the urge to to blame our circumstances and our situations on other people. It's not my spouse's fault, my kid's fault, my parents' fault. None of those things, God. I'm looking and talking to you personally, myself. It's all about me. And let every person that's here this morning, God, talk to you individually, themselves. Where they feel the pull and the tug of your spirit upon their heart. Where you're drawing them, God. And you're washing them. You're purging them. You're cleansing them. You're restoring unto them. You're delivering them. Oh, God. I thank God for what I feel right now in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to open the altar. People who want to come to the altar this morning, kneel or stand. People who want to just stay in your seat. Whatever the situation is this morning, let the power of the Holy Ghost just talk to you right now. Would you just let Him talk to you? Don't let your thoughts be about everyone else and what's happening in their lives and what has caused things to happen in you. But rather let it be the opposite. God, here I am. Here's my life this morning, Jesus. It's all about me this morning, God. I need you to wash me, cleanse me. Hallelujah. We're not going any farther, church. Just let the power of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, work in your heart and in your life right now. Hallelujah. If you don't think you need it, then you probably do. Let the power of His Spirit work in your heart right now, right where you are. Let the 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, lead us in the song. Hallelujah, let God's presence and His Spirit. That's it, church. All across this room right now, would you just let there be a repentant heart, repentant spirit that arises from you today. Would you just allow that to happen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.